0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. Welcome. I'm glad to see everyone. If you're like me, you really miss not being able to be here last week. It was like, uh, what do I do Sunday morning? <laughs> I'm always here. Uh, but, welcome. We're in a series, meaning we take a topic, we talk about it for several weeks, and the series we're in right now is Destinations. Today's topic is Depend Not. This is part three um, If you missed part one or two, we'll give you a quick review, which you can go back and watch or listen to those if you would like. Um, We're talking about the path principle. Now, the path principle is a principle. It's not a church principle or a religious principle. It's just a principle. And it says this, direction determines destination. And we use the illustration, getting on 95. If you head north on 95 and you're trying to get to Florida, are you going to get there? No. Why? Because your direction is north and Florida is south, so direction determines your destination. If you keep going, you wind up in Maine. We understand that 100% when it comes to driving our cars or driving a truck, right? Nobody would argue with that. Nobody would think differently about that. But when you think about other areas of your life, the path principle still applies, but we think there's exceptions. Whether it's in our relationships or in our finances, or in our professional life, our spiritual life, on uh, our health, uh, people we date, whatever it might be. We think it doesn't apply, but it does. And that's why this series, I, hopefully, is really important to all of us. We said it this way, we summarized it this way you win or lose by the path you choose. So if my goal is to get to Florida, I win by going south, I lose by going north. We understand that but it's true in all these other areas of our lives also. And then uh, last time, two weeks ago, we gave you four dynamics of the PATH principle. That was one, first, you have to take action. If I don't get in my car and start it up and get on the highway, I'm never going to get to Florida or anyplace else, right? We all understand that. So we have to do something. We have to take action. The second thing is, Every action requires sacrifice. If I head south, I can't head north. I've sacrificed heading north. If I head north, I've sacrificed heading south. Same thing in the other areas of our lives. One choice requires sacrifice of another choice. Now, the interesting thing is, often there's embarrassment involved. When you make a choice that's not the majority or not the popular choice, Um, we've seen that. My wife and I are kind of on a different path from most people, so we get this a lot. Started homeschooling back in the, in the 80s when nobody was doing it, etc. Uh, but the ultimate, though, is this. There is relief. After you've taken this path and you've gotten to your destination, there's relief. There's not regrets because you've lined up someplace you didn't want to go because you went on the wrong path. Sometimes we get someplace and we ask ourselves, how did this happen to me? How did I get here? Well, the simple answer is you were on a path that took you there, right? And if you went back and looked, you say, well, I made this choice and this choice and this choice. That's why I'm here. So summarizing again, every path or choice has a destination or consequence. Again, we understand it in driving our cars. We tend to have a disconnect when it comes to other areas of our lives. (laughs) This choice came with this consequence. Now, we're not talking about if you have a test on Wednesday, you're in school, that you study on Tuesday, you don't study. If you study, you pass the test, you don't study. No, that's, that's short term. That's, that's, you know, one day. The path principle more applies in longer durations of time. For example, if you're in your 30s, where you are in your 30s financially, relationally, etc., is because of what you did in your 20s. I'm in my 60s, so where I am financially, relationally, fina- uh, health-wise, is because of the decisions I've made For 40 years since I've been a adult. The problem is, any path we choose, we don't always know where we're going to wind up, do we? Um, The other thing is true, though, is you can't go back and change it, can you? I can't go back and relive my 30s or my 40s or my 50s. Nobody can do that. You can't go back. That's why this is so important. So consequently, if you think about it, the problem is that the path principle, right? Because if I take this path, this is going to get me to this destination, but I don't want that destination. So I wish I could be on that path and get to this destination, but you can't. So the problem is with the path principle. And the other part of the problem with us dealing with this path principle is this. The choices are now but the consequences are later. So, yeah, live for today. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's actually in the Bible, right? (laughs) Uh, Not realizing that we're on a path that eventually is going to get us to a destination that we don't want. So we think, ah, I can do what I want today. It's not going to affect me later on. Decision after decision adds up, and then we're someplace we don't want to be. Now, one of the things we might argue is this. Well, the problem is I don't have enough information. You know, back when I was young, I didn't have the information about, you know, what to do with my finances or what to do in relationships or whatever. (laughs) But I'm gonna, I think, prove to you that the problem isn't, isn't information. Now, none of us know the future, obviously. So, for example, what if somebody made a database of health issues, financial issues, relationship issues, etc. Tens, hundreds of thousands of people put input into this. I made this decision. uh, I was faced with this situation. I made this decision. Here is the outcome. So eventually we have all this information and I go into the computer and look it up and I said, okay, I'm faced with this decision. You know, 90% of people did this and it turned out like this. 10% of people did this and turned out like this. I want it to be... The 90%, so I'm going to do what 90% of the people. Well, one is, it don't, doesn't always work out that way, right? <clears throat> but that's not the biggest problem. You know what the biggest problem is? We don't always do it. Let me prove it to you. How many of you know somebody that's smart that's done something dumb? Raise your hand. You know somebody smart that's done something dumb? Come on, put them up. Put them up nice and high. Now, everybody should have their hand up. Richard, your hand's not up. <laughs> because you're smart and you've done something dumb, Right? So we all have more information than we make good decisions about. Um, I didn't ask Angie ahead of time, but I've taught financial peace. They teach financial peace. I was trying to guess how many people finish the class and then don't do what they learn. My, I think a, Generous estimation is 50%. It's probably less than that. So you take this nine-week class, whatever it is, you spend all these hours taking the class, doing the work, and then you don't do it. Well, no, you do it for a short time. but You don't follow through. An example probably all of us are guilty of, you've been to the doctor, and the doctor said what? Oh, uh, you need to change your diet, or you need to start exercising, or you need to do this, or you need to do that. And, how, and we pay these people to tell us this stuff, right? And then how often do we not do it? So it's not information that's our problem. In fact, I think it's funny. When we go on vacation or I go to a, into a hotel, we always check and make sure they've got a workout room. You do that? Make sure they have a workout room. You know how many times I can remember being on a treadmill? Once. <laughs> Once, I actually went in there and got on the treadmill. Well, you see, the first day, we'll go and check it out. Oh, this is a great workout room. <laughs> and Duncan, now, defend myself. I do go running sometimes when, when I'm away, so I don't need the need treadmill. So it's not lack of information. It's not lack of availability. <laughs> so what's the problem? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, we're going to look at something a guy by the name of Solomon wrote. Solomon was a king back in the Old Testament, lived about 3,000 years ago. He's the third king of the nation of Israel. David was his father. Most people know David. David was probably their greatest king. Solomon actually brought the nation to its high, high point during his, his reign. And uh, came king at a young age, we're not sure how young, but maybe say 20 years old. Now, I don't know about you, when I was 20, I was pretty dumb. Uh, so he's 20 years old, and he's king. And uh, God speaks to him in a dream. God's never spoken to me this way that I'm aware of, but I've talked to people that he has. God came to Solomon in a dream and said, Hey, Solomon, I'd like to do something for you. What would you like me to do? Just ask. Now, wouldn't that be great? Somebody comes to you, Hey, I want to do something for you. Ask, and it'll be be yours. It'll be done. So what are some options for Solomon? Well, live a long life. Good choice, maybe. Be rich. If I'm rich, I can probably pay for most other things I want. Um, he was a king of a nation with surrounding enemies. So one thing would be the, the death or defeat of my enemies. That would probably be a common, common request or choice. So if you read the account, and we're going to read part of it, he says, well, God, I'm young. I'm kind of dumb. He was smart enough to realize I don't know how to run a ki- uh, be a king, run a kingdom. He said, so, show me how to do it. Give me the information, the wisdom, whatever, to be, be a king. And what do you think God's response is to that? Pretty cool, right? You didn't ask for all these other things. So we're going to pick up the account in 1 Kings. This is not what we're going to study this morning. Just giving you some background. God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing your people with justice, and have not asked for long life or wealth or death of your enemies... Says, I will give you what you ask for. Well, he already said he would do that, right? I'll give you what you ask for. You'll give. I, uh, I will give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one else has ever had, had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you didn't ask for. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm going to give you the wisdom, and I'm also going to give you some other stuff: riches and fame. Now, as we read this, we've been studying stuff that Solomon wrote. As you read this stuff, you just if you don't believe kind of in supernatural or spiritual stuff, we're glad that you're here. Hopefully, this will help convince you. Where did this wisdom come from? I mean, it's a little back alley country 3,000 years ago. How smart could they be? But if you read this stuff, it's, it's amazing. Solomon actually wrote three books, what we call our Old Testament, Proverbs, which we've been studying. It's got 31 chapters. Some people read a chapter a day to get all that wisdom. Um, Another book he wrote was Ecclesiastes. If you're under 40, 45, I wouldn't recommend you read it. Now, here's why. It comes off really negative, really pessimistic. You get to be my age, you read it and say, yeah, I understand. I know what you're talking about. All right? And then he wrote a book that if I was reading it to you out loud, you'd probably be embarrassed. I might be embarrassed reading it to you. In fact, young Hebrew boys weren't allowed to read it. They'd sneak into the synagogue and read it. Nowadays, they would go and find this stuff on the Internet. Anyway, it's in there. Uh, Good reading, especially for married people. Uh, This is the the things that that Solomon wrote. Now, if anybody could say, okay, God, you've given me the wisdom, I can handle the situation. Thank you, God, I've got this. It would be Solomon, right? We'd think, yeah, that would be what he said. But it's surprising what he tells us in answer to the question... How do we make the right decisions to get where we want to be? And so we're going to look at the third chapter of Proverbs, just a couple verses. And if you grew up in church, this this will be familiar to you. But it's amazing what he says, this person, maybe the smartest person outside of Jesus that ever lived, what he says about making decisions. Now I'm going to read the beginning of the chapter. It says this, My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this... You'll have many years, live many years, and your life will be satisfying. And I thought, hey, that's pretty good. I'd like to have a satisfying life. Most people would. I like a satisfying life. So I'm going to skip down to verse five. Here's what he says. All right, want to have a satisfying life? You want to end up where you want to end up? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust in your experience. Don't trust in your knowledge and your wisdom. Don't trust in other people's knowledge or wisdom. Don't depend on those things. Depend on who? (laughs) Not on me or stuff I can do or stuff I know or or people I know know. Trust in the Lord. So we might say it this way. The answer to life is not information. It's a person, the person of Jesus. Back then it would be God, the time of Jesus. And if you're not a Jesus believer or follower, maybe you believe in God, this is... Good information for you. This is a God believer. So then he goes on and does the flip side of it. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Well, I'm Solomon. God, you give me all this wisdom, all this understanding. But I realize, Solomon's writing this, he said, I realize I can't depend on my own understanding. Now, most of us make decisions that way, right? And in most cases, often, that's, that's okay. We take our wisdom, we take experience, and we make decisions. We do that all the time. And the older we get, hopefully the wiser we are, and, and we make better decisions. But you can't always depend on it. You can't always depend on, I told you week one, that I'm really good at just directions. I just can find my way around without maps and GPS and all that stuff. So, kind of telling on myself, um, I grew up in Glen Burnie. I went to college, lived in Glen Burnie, commuted, and then I started commuting to seminary in January of, of, of uh, where am I at? <laughs> 73. January 73. Since I started so early, I was the youngest student at seminary, not that that mattered, but I would drive back and forth. Um, seminary is only four days a week. Uh, I could get up early on Tuesday morning and drive the five hours to Wake Forest, North Carolina, Go to class. Friday afternoon, get in my car and drive the five hours back. So I would actually slept at home four nights a week, which was pretty cool. Um, My sister would know about that. Anyway, one day, uh, uh, two and a half years in, I got one semester left. Our family moved to Middletown. So now I'm driving from Middletown to Wake Forest. It was exactly the same distance, which was pretty cool. So I'm driving back... one of those first couple weeks, I'm driving back 270, and I'm thinking, okay, Frederick's here, Middletown's over here, hmm, there's got to be a shortcut. You ever think there's got to be a shortcut? I'm thinking there's got to be a shortcut. So I get off, and think, you know, I'm good at directions, right? I'm going to be able to find my way to Middletown. Hour later, I'm back on 270, <laughs> driving to 2. I was depending on my sense of direction to get me there. I don't know if there was a way, maybe there was, I just didn't find it. Another way to think about it is this way. I was a kid once, so now that I'm a parent, I should be able to parent kids. Does that work? No, it doesn't work. So here's something that maybe seems counterintuitive. But direction doesn't begin with the search for direction. But that seems to make sense, right? Direction begins with submission. In this case, submission to Jesus, So, if I want to know what to do with my finances, I want to do with my relationships, I want to know what to do with my my health, my professional life, my spiritual life, my dating life, whatever it might be. It doesn't, I mean, we need direction, but it doesn't start with direction, it starts with submission, because what we like to do with God is this. God, tell me what you think, and I'll decide if I want to do it. And God says, no, you tell me if you want to do it, if you decide to do what I tell you, then I'll tell you. So the submission comes first, because the information doesn't do us any good unless we're willing to do it. And we all agreed, that there's times when we've had the information, and we didn't, we chose not to do it. So the key is to start with saying, yes, I'm going to do it. When I find out the good, right information, the right path, I'm going to do it. Then God is going to open that, as we're going to see, He's going to open up, make that path clear for us. So in the next verse, He says this. Seek his will, God's will, in all you do. That's important, all we do. Because some of us seek it in certain areas of life, and we think we can handle it in other areas of life. He so, said, no, 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 no. <laughs> all that you do, all areas of your life, I put it this way, need to learn to live with a God component in every area of life. So I, I a God component in my finances, God component in my health, God component in my relationships, God component in my professional life, school life, dating life whatever it might be. Again, most of us have got a component in some areas, and in other areas, God, you just leave me alone. I'll handle it. So if we do that, he gives us a promise. And the promise is what we've been trying to figure out in this series. The promise is this. <clears throat> next verse. Our next part of the verse. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you what? Which what? Path to take so you want to know what path to take in these different areas of your life seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take he'll make it clear he'll, he'll remove some th- of the fog now we've all got ourselves in the messes and wondered what do I do now what do I do now 2020 uh, hindsight 2020 right I look back and say yeah that was dumb that was dumb I shouldn't have done that should have done that whatever Here's the thing. Is there somebody that can see the future? That knows what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be neat if you had a relationship with him? (laughs) The old illustration is this. You're driving along the highway. There's an accident or something on 70 this morning. It was backed up. I don't drive it. I'm driving under it. So if you're uh, in one of those traffic jams, is it just, you know, 500 feet ahead or is it five miles ahead? And people were getting off on 66. Of course, nobody knows, but if I was in a helicopter over top, I could see. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a mile ahead or it's five miles ahead. We can't see the future. We can't see ahead, but God can. He's like in the helicopter. And he says, okay, let me say, oh, yeah, you stay here. You'll, it'll be cleared up soon. Or no, you want to get off? Because it's not going to clear up for a while. So in those areas of our lives, the relationships, the finances, etc., God can see. So he says, if you seek my will, if you're submissive, if you're willing to do what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you. So submission is the key. And then next verse he says this, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Sometimes you say, yeah, yeah, I'm smart enough to handle this. No, 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 no. Always be humble. No, I I don't know enough. Uh, God, I need your help. Uh, Fear the Lord, trust the Lord, and turn away from evil. Now, the interesting thing if you study the life of Solomon is this. With all that wisdom, he had one area of his life he didn't trust the Lord. And it was how to handle his surrounding nations, his enemies. And and what he did was he would marry that same chapter we read. He marries Pharaoh's daughter. Why would he marry Pharaoh's daughter? Because if you're the Pharaoh, do you want to fight the nation where your daughter's the queen? Probably not. So he was defending Israel by his alliances by marrying foreign women. And this was a disobedience to God. And if you read his life story, it ended horribly because of his disobedience. See, eventually, this this as his young life was so wise, eventually began to worship the false gods of these wives he married. And he disobeyed. And eventually the nation was split in two. Wisest man. So information, wisdom, and experience is not enough. It's not enough, folks. And we've all had those things and still done, been on the wrong path, made bad decisions, done dumb stuff. We need Jesus. He will make the path clear or straight for us. But so here's part of the problem. Pride can and often or eventually will override wisdom. Okay, God, I know that. I got this. I've been a pastor for over 40 years. I know how to handle this. I know what to do here. You know, I've been in whatever profession you're in. I know what to do. I can handle it. I've been married for over 40 years. I know how to handle my wife. That's a dumb thing to say, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, pride will eventually override wisdom. So, give you a different word here. We need an attitude of dependence. Of course, dependence on God. No matter how wise I am or how smart I think or am, how much experience I have, God, I still need you to avoid making mistakes. Here's, here's how we usually handle this. I'll ask you a question Has there ever been a time in your life when you sought God's will in an area where you think you have control? Because, see, we'll give God control of stuff we can't control. I mean, what other options do you have? The obvious one is eternal life, salvation. I can't get to heaven, God. I've got to depend on you. So I accept your son, Jesus. I believe he, he sacrificed his life for me and died for me. He rose from the dead so that I might have forgiveness, eternal life, and a relationship with you, God. got to depend on you for that because I, I, there's nothing that I can do. I thought about when my kids got probably earlier than this, but especially when they got to be 16 and started driving. And as a parent, when they're out at night with the car, what do you do? God, please keep them safe. There's nothing I can do at this point, right? I've been raising them for 16 years. Hopefully, they're going to make wise decisions. But other areas of life, we say, I got this, God. I'm smart enough. I'm smart enough to handle my finances. I'm smart enough to handle relationships. I'm smart enough to handle uh, this stuff at work. No, 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 no. As soon as you say, I got this, God. I don't need you. That's, a, that's the problem. So has there been an area in your life where you finally said, yeah, God? <laughs> I can't make wise decisions in this area or that area. Now, here's the cool thing. That's when Christianity gets real. That's when it gets practical. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship with the with Almighty God. I've been married a long time. When decisions need to be made, do you think I ask my wife or not? A smart man will ask his wife on it. <laughs> of course I do. So in a relationship with Almighty God... I'm going to go to him. I'm going to ask. I'm going to communicate with him. And you know what? I'm guessing what God's response is, but I say, I love that. Don't you love it when your spouse comes to you? I need your wisdom. I need your insight. Now, on the flip side of this, I want to just mention this quickly and we're almost finished. What is God's response when you choose a path, the wrong path, you end up with only bad options? in a bad place, uh, when you made a mistake? What's God's response? Some people think he gets angry. Oh, I'm angry with you. You shouldn't have done that. Some people think, "Ah." God just says, okay, I'm finished with you. We don't have a God like that. That's one of the things, amazing thing about God. We say he loves us unconditionally. We don't normally actually believe it, but we say it. He loves us unconditionally. We say it this way sometimes, he'll never love you any more than he does right now. He'll never love you any less than he does right now. There's other components here, but his love never ceases, never changes. Does it break his heart? I think it does break his heart. Doesn't it break your heart when your kids make bad decisions? Sure it does. But you don't stop loving them. God doesn't stop loving us. Let's finish up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, wisdom, experience, information, whatever it is. Seek his will in not just the areas you can't control, but all areas of your life. He'll show you which path to take. and That's what we want to know. What path to take with my finances, what path to take in my relationship, with my spouse, with my kids, with my parents, uh, with my siblings. What path to take uh, with health issues, what path to take with financial issues, what path to take with dating issues, whatever, whatever it might be. Again, information, wisdom, experience is not enough. We need Jesus. We need his, his wisdom. That's the next slide. Uh, we need Jesus. Now, quick story to end. Most of you heard this story. But it, um, I think it exemplifies this. So, I um, started going to church when I was about 13. Got saved. Um, loved church. Was there all the time. Really committed my life to the Lord. So, in, in high school, I was a pretty good student. And, and, and my best subjects were like math. I had the best math score in my senior math class. Could go to college and study math. Uh, chemistry class, that one guy in particular, one football player, used to get mad at me because they curve the class and they curve it from me, my grades. Uh, and it wasn't that I didn't think I was that smart. I was just it came easy to me. Chemistry and math. All right. So when I, so I enrolled in, uh, also shy and introverted guy. So. When it's time to go to the University of Maryland, uh, between high school and college, I enrolled in engineering. I thought that was a good fit, right? And we got a couple of engineers in our church, and they're kind of those type of guys. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Friends of mine. But God said otherwise. He said, no, I want you to be a pastor. And I wrestled with it. I struggled with that. I kept saying, no, God, you got the wrong guy. Finally, I'd already enrolled at college. My first day of college, I changed my major from engineering. I didn't preach a sermon for four years. I just putting my toe, okay, God, I, I, I'm going to trust you. I still think you're making a mistake, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to change my major. <laughs> and then thought through college, I didn't do much else. So my personality, my intellect, my intellectual bent uh, didn't really matter. What really mattered was at 17, I said, God, I want what you want. I know you can see the future. Now I've been a pastor for 40 years. <laughs> I can see the future. You can see the future. I can't. Could I have been an engineer? I guess I could have been. Would I be as satisfied as I've been a pastor? I'd have to say no. So surrendering always precedes direction. Are you surrendered? In your dating life. In your financial life. Obviously in your spiritual life. So here's your think about Take home question. Why am I so afraid? Why is it so hard to seek God's will in areas where I think I have control? Are there areas of your life you haven't surrendered, that you haven't submitted, that you have, aren't dependent upon God's direction? Why? Why is it hard? Why are you afraid? You, you and I, all of us need to wrestle that question until uh, we get a good answer. So, uh, pray with you all. We'll have a song and let you go. Ah, Father God, (laughs) your wisdom is astounding. uh, Even what you've chosen to share with us, Um, and all of us need to confess we we made dumb decisions. We brought on wrong paths. Even I don't know thinking that it's still going to get us where we wanted to go. And we wake up one day and say, how did I get here? What, well, how did I make this mess? Sometimes no good options. And God, I know you want to spare us from that. Just as, as, as parents, we want to spare our kids from, from making bad decisions. So I would pray that each of us would wrestle to the ground. Why, why am I not submissive? Why, why in this area of my life, why have I tried to hold on to it? Maybe I've made some good decisions, maybe I've made some bad decisions, but guaranteed to have a good path, God, is. you the one that can see the future. You know the future. So I pray for everybody here that they would see the wisdom in this, God, as we pray, said two weeks ago, that we'd have the wisdom to know and then the courage to do it. And then we pray for anyone, God, that's not a Jesus follower, maybe they're just thinking about it or maybe they're not even too interested in it. That they would just take a step to follow. Say, I I want to check this out a little bit. Or maybe they're ready to step across that line. Realizing that's an area of life I can't control, my eternity. So God, I give my life to you. Because you gave your life for me. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.